Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Welcome to episode 137 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, the UK's only dedicated sports podcast network, and also Fanatics. I'm riding solo today. The, uh, the other two lads are, are away of a fashion. Pete's doing his best Baywatch impression on the west coast of America. I think he's more Pamela Anderson than David Hasselhoff. Um, and Lee, Lee is back in his in his homeland as usual, doing his uh, his worst Ian Woosnam impression on the golf course. So those two lads are otherwise otherwise engaged this week. But like to say, a couple of guests on the show, um, regular almost now. He's he's almost the, the fourth member of the Unholy Trinity. And that's Phil Haywood. Phil, how are you, mate? I'm fine, thanks, mate. Thanks very much for asking us. Come on. Well, looking forward to the chat, mate. And it's nice to, to be a bit more relaxed, isn't it? Uh, yeah. In the off season before Everton take take hold once again um, on on Monday when the players are back. Yeah. Um, and delighted also to welcome on the show um, from Sport Witness, Sean Munt. Sean, you told me this is this is your, your day off, and I've got you out of bed quite early <laughs> on the Sunday morning. You're not too happy. <laughs> no, uh, Everton usually take over weekends, so no different, is it really? <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming on, mate, and giving us a little bit of time on your on your day off. That's for sure. Um, a lot to talk about. It's been we last got together a few weeks ago as a podcast, and obviously the season hadn't long ended, and we, you know, a few transfer links. Uh, James Tarkowski was was pretty much done at the time. Obviously announced yesterday, which was great to see him come come through the door. Uh, but obviously the players are off on holiday. Um, wasn't a great deal really, really going on in terms of transfers and things like that. But things certainly kicked off for, for us as a club in the last week or so, I'd say. And the biggest news really um, is the, the outgoing of huge fan favourites, a player who, who you'll certainly epitomise what it what it meant to, to be an Everton player and play with the pure pure passion. And that, that's with Charleston and. We all knew Phil that he was going to be on his way. You know, we 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 accepted he was going to be sold this summer. We we've had numerous conversations around, you know, whether it's him or Dominic Calvert Lewin. And as the weeks went on, as the season finished, it was, you know, it looked like it was a Charles and he was going to be on his way. Uh links were there to to Chelsea, Arsenal, um, Spurs, with a few from abroad as well. We we had on Chris Smith from from 90minute.com and he mentioned 
Atletico Madrid were floating around as well. Uh, PSG, Real Madrid were, were always in the background. But how are you feeling about the about the transfer, Phil? As much as we expected it, what does it feel like for you in terms of going to Spurs? Yeah, to to be fair, to be fair, Mike, I I kind of thought I said it to to family and things and friends um, after the Palace game when um, when I got in, uh, finally got in from that game, and when he did that interview in the changing room, and I and I said to, to to a couple of pals, I said, he's going. I said, I, I just thought, why would you let Richarlson do like a speech? He's not the captain. He's this, that, and he's not. Um, you know, he didn't score the winning goal or anything like that. I just thought it was like a promise. You know, keep us up, and then we'll let you go. Um, I'm absolutely gutted to be fair because I think I think we've let him down as a as a group of players. Um, I think he's one of the only few who basically played for the the name on the front of the shirt. He knew exactly what Everton was about. Um, he got us as a, as a club. Um, every every goal, you know, he would be right in there with the fans. And obviously his quality um, from from people looking on the outside, I don't think they give him enough respect or credit. You know, saying that he only scores. You know, ten goals here in a poor side, or you know, he scored seven last season. Don't forget under Ancelotti. Um, but he's he's always been in double figures for me, goals and assists com- combined. I think Spurs. I think they're going to model themselves like like Liverpool, the way they've got five forwards. Obviously, obviously, Mane's left now, but people say he won't play. I think he'll play a lot of games more than what people will actually um, say. Um, but. As you said there, Mike, when 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 I thought you'd leave, I'd give him a blessing, thinking, you know, I always thought in my head you'd go to something like a Bayern Munich, a, a PSG, a Real Madrid, obviously the Ancelotti links and the Neymar with PSG. I never once thought when I was here, hearing Arsenal's and Tottenham's, uh, Chelsea's, I would kind of accept Chelsea because they win things. But when I heard Arsenal and Tottenham was strong, I thought... I can't be, you know, it's, I'd be really disappointed. You remind me of the Stephen Pienaar kind of scenario when he left. Obviously, different circumstances, but, you know, Tottenham seem, always seems like a sideways step, even though they are in the Champions League. Um, because not so long ago, we were competing with Tottenham for that Europa League and fighting for the top four. So I am disappointed. Um, I'm gutted, really. Um, but we've just got to kind of draw a line under it as much as. I'm annoyed, but um, and and obviously, like you said about future transfers coming in. I think I think yeah, I think your point about letting them letting them down is it is is a good one to be honest because it's you know he was brought in at a time obviously Marco Silva's there he'd worked with him before at um, at Watford as well and he obviously knew him very very well and I think at the time we were trying to build something yet again but. We were looking at, at look, uh, building a younger side, trying to move forward, uh, get European qualification, and, and push on from there. And, and it's quite clear that we haven't, we haven't done that. And that, that's the really, really disappointing thing, really, isn't it? You know, as as fans watching us, we, we've 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 certainly gone backwards as opposed to going forwards. And and players like Richardson were brought in to to obviously improve us, but. He couldn't do it all on his own. And he's he's one player in the last few years who, for me, has certainly stepped up. He's, he's a player that the fans always sort of um, want to go to and back and support. And and sort of, they see him as the fan on the pitch almost, Richardson, in my opinion, or did they? Um, and that's why I think you're right. I think that as a club, we 
we've let him down in a sense. You know, we, we certainly should have bought better before he came and should have bought better while he was there because we we, we had the makings of a half decent side, I think, under Marco Silva. I think that that first summer was quite telling, really, wasn't it? When he didn't get Kurt Zuma. Um, and I think I think if we would have got a couple, a couple more bodies in of a of a better level, we could have really kicked on. And I think I, I do. I've got, I've got to agree. Yeah, I do think that he's he's the one player that we we have let down. And you know, so, some players that we have brought in are just not being up to the level. Some of the managers who we who being brought in have straight not being up to the level. And it's all then created the a perfect storm, which which has seen us go go backwards. But I think the you know for me, Spurs. You know, I've said it a few times now. I've said it on the podcast. I said it um, on social media. I said it in, in a piece for, for the BBC this week. And this is nothing against Spurs because Spurs are miles ahead of us in every single department, by the way. Yeah. But they're not guaranteed success. Now, a player like Richarlison, who generally starts every single time he goes on international duty, his record for Brazil is very good, his scoring record. Um, he's at an age now where he wants success and wants to be winning things, and I, and I totally get that. And Spurs doesn't give you that. Let's 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 be honest. I mean, it's very difficult in the Premier League because you you're fighting against Manchester City and Liverpool, who are comfortably the top two. You've then got Chelsea, who for me are going to probably close the gap a little bit on the top two, but they're probably third. So then Spurs are then fighting for that fourth position, and you know Champions League qualification as good as it is. Is not success in terms of trophies. So I think, you know, going to Spurs for him, I think he will play football. Like you said, there are loads of games for Spurs coming up this season because of the competitions that they're in. But it's certainly not a guarantee of winning trophies because their their trophy drought is almost as bad as ours, to be perfectly honest. And that's where the surprise, the surprise really comes in for, for me. Uh, but Sean, what, what are your thoughts? I'd like, like to hear what you think about Richardson moving there and, you know, do you think it's a right move for him? On the face of it, I agree with the with the notion that it's not really much of a step up because Tottenham wouldn't be fighting for four Champions League football. It's not title winning. You know, he's not going to win trophies, but that Champions League football is key for him. I think because it's the next step, isn't it? You want to be in European football, fighting for that and putting yourself on that sort of visual stage, so to speak. And it's Conte as well. He gets to work under an elite level manager after working under Benitez. Lampard, you know, who's, who's Marco Silva, Ancelotti's the only big name manager he's worked off, and that that wasn't a great season for him either. So there's a lot of factors in it that I think make it more attractive for him. And he's one of them players I can see being really good under Antonio Conte as well, because he, he he likes the dirty sides of it. He likes the fighting and the scrapping and the, and the defensive work as well as the attacking. What what he's what he's there for. So I can see it being one of those where he goes there, plays three or four seasons and does well, 10 or 15 goals a season maybe for them because they all have the games to provide that he can they can get them in anyway. And it, it, and then it, like a middle club that you can step up from Tottenham, you can go to a Man United, a Manchester City, Real Madrid, PSG, whoever you want to go to from them. So I think it's for him it's more of a, he's still young enough to go to someone like Tottenham, put himself on that stage and then get the big move that he wants. Because I think he really wanted Real Madrid and if Vinicius Junior hadn't have had the season that he had last year under Angelotti, Real Madrid would have been in for him 100%. But Vinicius Junior made himself the star at Real Madrid alongside Benzema last year. So Ancelotti's not going to do that deal when he can spend their money elsewhere. But then two or three years, he's still only in his mid-20s, isn't he? You can still get that move that he wants. 
for me personally, I'm disappointed that he's gone because he's undoubtedly Everton's best player. He's the man that did step up last season. He said he'd keep us up and he scored the goals that kept us up. But at the same time, I don't think Everton were ever going to get any more than what they've got for him. I actually do. Uh, people have moaned about the price and you can always moan about transfer prices because it's your nature, isn't it? You think a player's worth 100 million. He's not. But I actually think 50, 60 million is a really good price for, for Everton personally. And I think they need to sell. It just it was just a horrible situation that they had to sell. And who was it was either going to be him or Calvert Lewin, and he was the more saleable asset than Calvert Lewin at this moment in time. So he's had to go, and I think he wanted to go. He played in was at the Olympics last year or the Copper America. I think there was the promise, wasn't it? You can play in that, and we'll give we'll get one more year, and then you get to go. And then, as you said, he did his speech at the end of the season. I think that was obvious. He was on his way then. Yeah, like you say, he was he, he was, the, was the Olympics, wasn't he? He played last year because he came back with his uh, with his gold medal, didn't he? At Finch Farm, and um, like you say, he was he was sold. Give us another twelve months. Obviously, the hope was as a club we could do something. We could you know, get into Europe, and um, obviously, the, the manager that came in after a half decent first few games, it, it all went all went south. So, you know, he gave us everything he had. Let let's get it right, and you know we. I know he was playing through injury as well. He had a few issues. He ended the season with with a few little, little niggles, you know, where some players that we've had in the past would, would not play. And, you know, they'd say they are injured and Richardson all the time wants to be on the pitch doing what he could to help us stay stay in the Premier League. And it's a sad way that things ended in a sense. The fact that, you know, we were where we were and we were it was so far down the table and relegation threatened and, and that's a season that, that Richardson moves on. But, the price, the price is what it is, you know, in the current market. People, like, you know, people are saying, oh, 75, 80 million. For me, the market still hasn't recovered from from COVID, to be honest. There's still there's still huge issues financially for a lot, a lot of teams. Um, so we're never going to get that kind of price. I think the deal was on the on the strength of it was was okay, it was, was, a, was about right. You know, we could have squeezed another five million pounds. I was then fine, but I think I think it was important not to put a player in the deal, which is what Tottenham wanted to do. Obviously, Harry Winks was was mentioned quite quite heavily linked uh, to coming in. We, we saw Bergwijn later on was linked, um, so they they were quite you know they were trying to push one of their fringe players, if you like, into the deal, and we and we we stayed firm on that and, and got the money that we that we wanted. Um, so from that from that factor. Um, it's it was it was a good deal, a good deal, but it's still going to hurt me, I think, to see him in a in a Spurs shirt next season, and you know, after being almost Mister Everton, especially over the last couple of years with Charles, and I think it's uh, it's going to be a strange a strange thing to see him playing for another Premier League side. Um, but wish him all the best, of course. You know, he, he's given us everything, and, and hopefully, he goes on to have it. Have a decent, a decent career with them, and like you said, Sean, you know he's young enough. as he's twenty five? You know, a couple of seasons at Spurs, and he can then go on again for for his peak years to Real Madrid, you know, Barcelona, wherever it might be. You know, he's still got that time to to go and to go and do that as well. Um, I think the most talented thing is if you look at when he's posted his goodbye, there was no Everton anger. There was a lot of fans mm-hmm. saying thanks, and it, the blame is very much on the club, not the player. We've had big transfers before, and there's been a lot of hatred towards the players, dislike of the players who we think they're making a step sideways or whatever. 
for Richarlison, it's a lot of, we don't like to see you go there, but we understand why you're doing it. And it's not your fault. And that's actually quite nice when you think about it. It's nice for Everton to have a player and sell them and it not to be vitriolic on social media, you know what I mean? I think as well, it shares a career move. I think he sees the one, two seasons like this season, not maybe not in a relegation scrap, but... You know, and that's where you go on about fans' expectations. You know, I think we could easily finish 12th, 13th next season, obviously with our financial state uh, at his age. It's based on career move, uh, Champions League, you know, playing with likes of you, Harry, you're going to get chances, World Cup, and I think then, like you both said, then he can kick on again. I just think he sees that as, um, I can't do that again. You know, give us, he literally give everything, didn't he? Obviously, his grandfather died as well, which he stayed behind to play. So yeah. he did a lot for the club last season. I think the thing is as well with with Richarlison is I think he knew, but he did know that we had to sell him. So he knew that. Now, if the other offers weren't on the table, I know, I know apparently Chelsea came in, in late in the day to try and, um, to try and snaffle him, but if the offers weren't there from a Real Madrid, Atletico, you know, sides like that, PSG, they might have a bit of incest, but no firm offers. And he knew that we had to sell. Is this another example of, of Richarlison? Almost taking one for the club. This is another. This is another selfless act, possibly. You know, and I wouldn't put him past him. Like you say, you both said then. You know, he, he's got plenty of time ahead of him to go to these other bigger clubs. Um, and maybe it's just him going. Well, I know you're in a bit of trouble financially. I'll go there. It's it is a step up. You know, uh, they, they are challenging at the at the top end of the table in terms of qualifying for the Champions League. But he, he's just done it as one one final. Selfless act, and I really wouldn't put it past him. You know, just just judging on what he's done over the last last few seasons at the club. Um, but real shame to see him go. It's a sign of the times. It's a sign of where we are. Um, the important thing now is that we we recruit effectively with any money that we can. It certainly helped the accounts for the for the twenty one twenty two period, and and I'm I'm ninety nine point nine percent certain that that deal was done. On June the thirtieth, so it will, will go into last year's account, which is which is good. So it gives Frank Lampard now a little bit of a wheel room going into the obviously the remainder of the window. Um, we've already seen obviously announced over the weekend James Tark yeah, James Tarkowski has come in, which is which is obviously a sensible signing. But obviously there's a lot of work to be done in other areas of the pitch, and we're, we're going to discuss that after this short break. Welcome back to the second part of this week's Unholy Trinity podcast. And it's it's all focused now on, on recruitment. Um, like we said, Richardson's gone. A bit of money in the bank now. Um, we've still got to be quite clever in our recruitment. And and that was shown yesterday when the, the James Tarkowski transfer was was confirmed uh, by the club. We all knew it was it was agreed and we were waiting for for the his contract of Bernie to end because they've got a vendetta against us over our, our financial dealings, should we say, over the last last few years, and they've still got a complaint ongoing, it seems, as much as Leeds have dropped out, Burnley is still fighting the fight. Um so we didn't want to upset the apple cart even further. So we waited and we've announced we announced him as an Everton player. Um before we go into other areas, just want to get you both your thoughts on that. Sean, what are your thoughts on that sign of, of James Tarkhouse? Are you you're quite quite happy with that? Yeah, yeah, I I like him. He's a solid player. He's good. He's decent enough on the ball. I think the big thing is he's a leader. We we've discussed this earlier today. It, 
Everton have no leaders in their team whatsoever. You know, straight away when Yerry Mina goes out, there's no one else who will pick up that mantle and be the control and calm and force, particularly in defence. Michael Keane is not that player. Ben Godfrey's too young to be that player. He's not experienced enough for it. And Mason Holgate's the same. He's a bit erratic at times. So I think a free transfer, someone like that, who's used to scrapping down the bottom as well, he's a, he, he's used to that sort of style. It, it, it works for Everton, particularly on a free transfer. I mean, I've had this discussion on Twitter with many people about the value of it because there's a lot of people who look at the numbers and his, his stats and stuff and say he's not good at this, he's not good at that. Are you going to get a player who, with his experience in the Premier League on the same sort of deal for what the millions that it'll be? I think it worked out at 15, 16 million when you work out the wages over the term of his contract. Are you going to get a player of that level for that price in this market? Probably not. If you go and sign someone from Europe, are they going to adapt for that price? And then you end up in the same situation Evan have been in years. They spent twenty million on a player on eighty thousand pounds a week, and then he's at one because he's no good. He doesn't adapt. So I think there's a lot of sense in it. And I've seen people complain about him. He's not that great on the ball. But people like Brendan Rodgers wanted him at Leicester. Lampard wanted him at Chelsea, and they want ball playing defenders. So is that really an argument? I don't think it is. I actually think Everton have done their research here, sort of cheap option to really strengthen the defence. And I think one of, uh, like with the leadership, is he, he gets games, he never misses a game. We looked at his numbers a couple of weeks ago when it was when he was being talked about. I think he's missed about two or three games over the last four or five years with Burnley. And Burnley are hard games. They, they You work hard at Burnley under Sean Teich. So, again, Everton get a player who's not going to miss 20 games a season like Yerimina did last year. So um, it's a perfect deal for me. Yeah, I think it's really sensible. It's it's it just makes perfect sense. And there was other sides in for him as well. Um, and I think Frank Lampard, he he, he gave him a presentation, didn't he? And and really won him over. Um, he said in an interview yesterday that he was, you know, that the minds are really sort of uh, went into his strengths and and how it can work for the team. And as you know, we we, we can all see on the surface, like you said. Sean, you know, as a leader, exactly what we need. We we, we lack leaders. We've said it for years, and you know, we, he's he's one of those players now who will step up and and I think help Michael Keane. We mentioned it off air before. You know, we are saying to lead, lead that back back four, back five, whatever whatever it might be. Um, he's better on the ball than people give him credit for. That's for sure. Um, like you say, other managers, you know, Brendan Rodgers wanted them. Frank Lampard wants them at Chelsea. You know, which shows the, the level that he thinks that he that he plays at. Um, we know, obviously, as a as, as a, a bog standard centre half, he's very good. So, in terms of the, the defensive side of, of, of his game, is good because of the side that he played for. But it's always deceptive, isn't it? Because people just get into that mindset of, well, you know, he's he's just played in an ultra defensive Burnley side, so these stats are a bit misleading in terms of him, you know, be, being ahead of you know clearances, tackles, things like that, aerial duels, but. I think it just shows for me that the concentration level he's got has got to be very, very good. Because if you've got to defend for large portions of a game for, for the last, say, four or five years, which is what he's done at Burnley, you've got to be switched on. And that was always my concern with a lot of our back four is we we, we go missing mentally. I mean, Watford last season was a prime example of that at home where we just fell apart. And, and players, you know, centre-halves especially, just weren't doing the basics right. And... For me, he's going to be, he could quite easily be coming and be captain. You know, Seamus Coleman now, the back end of his career. You know, you're looking at him potentially to, 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 wear, to wear the armband for me, you know. Um, and that, that shows you how, 
how how high regard I I probably hold him in as a as a defender and as a leader. Um, but Phil, what, what what do you think about about the signing? Are you are you feeling positive about it as as much as we both are? Yeah, well, like you both said, lads, the, the year Burnley got to Europe and obviously got his two England caps. He's one of those defenders who are good on both. It sounds mad saying this, but he's very good on big pitches like your Emirates or you know uh, at Leicester. But he's very good on a tight pitch as well, where he can drag people back in and defend crosses, blocks, throws himself in. And I remember reading something about him. He likes to do things in twos. So when you see Michael Keane, he might take three or four touches and then do that scoop pass or, you know, Holgate quite erratic. He like gets the ball and he passes it with precision. Like he'll he'll firm it in. He does he does it in two touch. Um, and that's because he, he he he's confident in his ability. He's a leader in the fact that. Whilst he's doing that, he's pulling him and uh, dragging people in and in and around him. I think it's a fabulous sign, and it, it it's like you said, Mike. It's 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 a clever one, but it's also um, a re- it's something that we need. The club look like they, they thought how many times we thought we as fans we need this, we need that, we need the other, and he gets a posi- a player from a position we didn't even need. We've over flooded a position, so I think it's sensible. I think it's a great sign. I think he's a great player. Um, and you know, in, when Burnley were doing well and when Burnley weren't doing so well, he's the one that stands out. So to get him on a free transfer and with, um, and with like like Sean said, a couple of managers there, including Frank, one of them, um, a couple of years ago. No, I'm I'm impressed with it. I think it's it's a good start and a good start to the incomings, um, and it's it's a good positive step forward. It certainly improves us as a back four. Um, or back five, like I said earlier on, depending on what, what Frank Lampard wants to do. But I think then that sort of spells the end, him coming in. We've been linked um, as of yesterday with Rodrigo, Bel- I can't say his name, it's Belcal, um, centre-half. And if he came in, obviously that would be two in the, in the same window. It certainly would mean that the likes of probably Yeri Mina over everyone else would be would be on the way out. And I mean, how how strong are these links, Sean? Uh, we said they off air, you know, a few weeks ago, wasn't it? About four weeks ago, there, there was links there. They, they seem to ramp up last night. Um, do you, do you see much in this? Uh, I think so. Uh, we covered it initially from Italy about a month ago. That said, Evan McKean on him. There's a, there's a couple of players in that Udinese squad who've. Who are ready to make that next step? I mean, Gerard Delphi was one of them. He's had a good season, just to call back on him. But yeah, Bacal's another one. He, he was really good in their defence. He's been solid for them for a couple of years. And it said Everton were interested in him. And I think it's his price tag as well. It's 15, 20 million. That's doable for Everton, especially after just bought 50 million. And that's a very doable figure for them. So I think there is probably a lot in it. What I would say about those reports last night is there was a bit of a misinterpretation, I think, because when I read them this morning, it was more, yeah, Everton are interested, but this advanced negotiations thing was was a little bit wider the market. Um, what I read in Italy this morning was very much they're interested, but there's a bit of work to be done on price and what have you. But I think there's there's definitely interest there from Everton. Um, from what I've from what I've read about him and, and learned about him, he's comfortable in a back three. He's another leadership type. So if Lampard wants to go with that three four three three five two formation, he was sort of playing about with last season. I think he's the perfect one. And I think he replaces Mina. He's another one as well who was always fit. He plays 34, 35 games a season constantly like Tarkowski. And I think that's what Everton need. They need players they can rely on so they can get a settled back to a back three and be comfortable. So um, I think it's definitely one to keep an eye on. 
It's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously this talk of, of three centre halves, um, and we played it quite often in you know, the back end of last season when it was all hands to the pump. We, we were doing that, weren't we? Um, I mean, what would you see then? Do you think, Sean, your three centre halves, if say he came in just as an example, would be him, Tarkowski, Ben Godfrey as a, as a back three? Would you think, or would you think Michael Keane would be better suited to that? I would go with Godfrey myself. I think he's more mobile. I think you'd maybe have Tarkowski in the middle and then the other two either side of him or Bacal on one side and the middle and the other two either side of him. Because Godfrey's quite comfortable on that left-hand side. He's not a left-footed centre-half, but he's, he played that left-back role quite well, so he's quite comfortable over there anyway. Um, <coughs> what, I have, what I have seen about this Bacal is he's not good if you're playing a very high line. So he can be caught in behind. So that would be something that Evan would probably have to work with, with him. But again... I think that would be it. Would be him, Tarkowski and Godfrey rather than Keane because I, I I don't like Michael Keane in a back three. I don't like him in a back two particularly, <laughs> but <laughs> a back three is not for him. He's more of a low block back four defender for me, Michael Keane. So I think it would be him and Godfrey and Tarkowski as the back three. Yeah, yeah. it certainly leaves us with a little bit of a of a surplus. Though even if Yegi Mina goes, Phil, you know, you you look on there at who you've then got. So obviously we mentioned that. The three there, Michael Keane being the fourth, and then Mason Holgate being the fifth. Jared Branthwaite would probably go on loan. Um, you would you would have thought that's what all, all the talk is about. But you're still looking at it. You, you're going to have a couple of disappointed players you were playing last season. You know a lot of the games, aren't you? As we as we start off the, the new season. There you are, and and that's the thing, and and I think that's where. It comes in where we have rely, you know, people being reliable, um, and that's what happens in squads. I suppose um, I think there's been so much unsettlement of we've never kept the structure of the same back four, the same back five, or the same three centre half. It's always been change, every, you know, each week, and I think that's why it's made us concede all the goals or we look fragile when teams go forward. It seems like we never. Um, think about teams um, who are playing against is just like on on that week. Um, it, it, and if we get this this guy in, um, obviously with Talkowski, he's going to be the main guy, I think. And then Godfrey on the other side, the other side, sorry. I think that'll be a lot settled. Um, but then I, I thought on the back end, Matt Holgate did well. But again, like Sean said, he, he, you just don't know what Holgate you're going to get. You can't have, have that in a season where two games are going to be brilliant, three games are going to be brilliant, then he goes missing for a couple. Um, again, I like Michael Keane, but. Again, what's, what hasn't helped him is he's had five or six different managers and different styles of play. And again, different players in front of him, the different people on either side of him, but he's just not the answer. I don't think he's been here too long now, I think. If we could try and maybe move, I don't know, maybe move him on. I don't, I don't know. what You would expect Mina to go, but I'm not sure um, about the others. Yeah, I mean, Keane was, was linked to West Ham a few weeks ago. Uh, we were discussing this, Phil, when we went out with me a few weeks back yeah. about Michael Keane and there's definitely incest there from, from David Moyes. Um, so whether that that goes any further, possibly. Um, he, he just bought a Moroccan, haven't he, for 30-odd mil? Yeah. That's why I thought he wouldn't go there now. But and All depends I, who they want. You, you could still probably get a bit of money for him, I, I, you know, if he was to be put out there. But but I know Moyes was he's a David Moyes type of defender, I think. Yeah, exactly that, exactly that. But there, there was firm incest. Now, as you say, with them, with them signing uh, a, a new player as of as of last week, a new a new centre half last week, you wonder then whether 
any incest will go any further. But I think if it's a toss up between him and Mina, Mina's the most likely because of his contract situation. You know, twelve months left. He's on. He's on a. He's on a big contract over under than what under than twenty under twenty five grand a week. So that, that's a kind of play you'd look to move on. You know, you, you may get a sort of ten million pound fee plus the same on the wages and bring someone in on half of what he was on, if not if not even less. You know, so it it can it can be done. Um, but there's as as we said, there's going to be a surface of centre halves and and a little bit of movements outside of yeah, you mean it as well um, in some way, shape or form, but. What are our thoughts on the middle of the park in terms of midfield? Because that's that's one of the key areas that we've we're going to be looking to address. Um, we we struggled for the last the last couple of years, really. Haven't we? we 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 seem to get get walked through at times. Now we've just released, obviously Fabian Delph. We've just obviously Donny van der uh, Donny van der Beek has gone back to Manchester United. A lot of talk about Andre Gomez. Uh, being on his way, links to Portugal, um, so he could be moving. There's talk over Alan potentially being moved on back back to Italy. Um, so we certainly need to bring in players into the middle of the park. Um, Sean, what, what are the latest links out there that, that we've got? I mean, Conor Gallagher is, was mentioned. Billy Gilmore. This was a few days ago, I think, uh, in one of the one of the British newspapers. Um, anything more out there that you've seen? Well, I'll just start with the outgoings. I think Alan's definitely gonna gonna go. He's in the last year of his contract as well, and he's a saleable asset. And I think he'd he'd rather go back to Italy. Maybe it, the most consistent link is with Lazio uh, and Sari, who he, he played under at Napoli and was the star of the show under at Napoli. So I think that's one that we'll probably see pick up in a couple of weeks. Their their finances are a bit limited, and the Italians don't really like spending money on any player. <laughs> so. That's one that'll it'll take a couple of weeks, but I think he'll go, so he'll definitely need replacing. Um, the last we saw from Europe was um, Tyler Adams from RB Leipzig, and he's 23, centre midfielder. I'm not entirely sure if he's more of a defensive midfielder. I've seen it suggested that he would sit deep, and that would open open up the pitch more for Ducore to be that box-to-box midfielder that I think he's probably best at. So there's him, and the report that was from Build yesterday said that one was quite advanced and they're expecting him to go for about 12, 15 million. So I think that might be the big one to keep an eye on in the next week or so. Week or so. Um, other than that, we've not really seen much with central midfield. Um, it's been mostly the likes of Gallagher, Gilmore, um, people like that. Now, I don't think... I like Conor Gallagher. He's obviously a very, very good player and he was great for Crystal Palace, but I don't think he's the player Everton particularly needs at this moment in time. For me, Everton needs a real defensive midfielder. Someone who'll sit in front of that defence, clean everything up. You know, a Fabinho type. Now you're not going to get a Fabinho type player because he's an elite level player that Everton would never get. But someone who can fill that role. I think the hope was that Gabamin could do that role. But I think maybe have a look at him in pre-season and then decide on that. Because people forget about him because he's been out in Russia. He's come back now. So maybe that's something that we'll have to consider. Maybe Everton won't go for a player like that. Because they, they fancy him again, I honestly don't know. I think we get with Gabamon. It's funny because we all forget about him, don't we? And, he, and obviously, he went went over to to Russia for the second part of of last season, and and I think again, I think that there was issues around him being out nightclubs and things like that. I don't think um, they were too taken with with that side of things, and hence why they're not looking to do any kind of permanent deal. So whether obviously. He gets a chance under Frank Lampard remains to be seen, but um, he's another player who I think won't fall into 
into the minds of plans if I'm being perfectly honest. Uh, but there's going to be, you know, you mentioned obviously Alan, you already said about, about Dels being moved on, uh, players going back from uh, on loan as well. Uh, there's, there's certainly going to be gaps in the, in the middle of midfield. You know, Andre Gomez looks like he's going back to Portugal. Um, so we're going to have to probably bring in a couple, I would say, all dependent on what, what the man's just looking, looking to play. Um, but Phil, Phil, what are your thoughts on on the outgoings there in terms of, you know, Sean said Alan looks looks likely to, to be moved on. Uh, like I said, Gomez has probably been in the pipeline for the last the last year or so anyway. Um, do you think those two players specifically need to be, need to be moved on now? Yes, it's a shame for both, really, because obviously, uh, obviously when they came in from the teams they came from, um, and obviously when Gomez first came in alongside Garner, I thought we've got a real a real player. He, you know, ball retention. He, you know, he looks the part. Obviously that horrific injury, but he just for me, he just he doesn't doesn't do himself any favors. I don't think. Obviously he, he came in against Brentford. Now I believe he came in against Brentford in the league because he was outstanding in the cup game. And then really should have been dragged off after 20 minutes. He kept them on, um, which I think that would be his last game, personally. Um, and Alan, again, he, he he was he was on the sideline, wasn't he? On a few times, and people were saying as he fell out with the manager, and then there was rumours he needs a hernia, and think an operation and things. But again, I went to the um, in lockdown, and a couple of fans could go. We beat Chelsea one nil, um, and we scored a penalty and. And he was outstanding that game. I thought, wow, a full house at Goodison Park. He's going to be the real deal. And then as the season went on and games, you know, he couldn't run as much or he was doing too much or he hasn't really hit the heights that I thought he would. Uh, so if he can sell those kind of players and get a bit of money back, which I think the club are, are trying to do. Um, and obviously, I know Gomez being high wages, that that that'll be positive on, on the money front. On the on players coming in, I personally think I, I just can see it. I, I just think we'll get Gilmore on loan. I can just see it. I think obviously from Norwich another step up. He's not going to play for Chelsea, so I think they'll move him on. I think Chelsea might give Gallagher the pre-season, see what he's about before they make any any um, any decision. I just think Gilmore would be would be the one that I can just see him in an Everton kit. Whether he would be good enough or not, I don't know, but I think he will. He will be the one that that comes in. Other others, you know, I think I think Tottenham are quite clever trying to soundbite Harry Winks, um, and what I mean by that is is put him in a deal with Everton just to let other clubs then have a little tug of war with him. As I saw, I think it was this morning Southampton a link with him, um, but I think obviously with the with the negativity around that on social media, I think Everton have stayed well away from that, whether that we were in or not, but. No, the, the lads going out, Alan Gomez, I think if you were to say, obviously we'll want the Corey to go. Um, obviously Tom Davis is coming back. I don't think obviously he'll go. We are short in there. Gabamin, again, if a Russian club doesn't fancy him, I don't think we're going to give him the opportunity, second opportunity again. That was fitness is like. Um, so we are struggling in that department, but you would like to see the high earners possibly go. I don't think Gomez has got it in him to, to, to be that player who's going to step up again. I would say with Gomez, there's not really been anything about the return to Portugal at this moment in time. But they're very the Portuguese clubs' money is is tight, so and they're very hard to negotiate with. Now we might see something where Matias Nunes last year, haven't we really heavily linked with him? I mean, from all accounts, he was in Liverpool at one point, ready to complete the deal, and Benitez just cut it down and said, "No, I don't want him." 
that might be another one that will pick up. We've seen we've seen him linked again, but I mean he's he's apparently turned down Wolves this summer because he's he wants a Champions League club. So would Everton be able to go and get him? I don't know, but the the negotiations have been there by Everton anyway. They, they know his they know his agents. They know the club. They've talked. They get on well. They, they they've negotiated before, so that might be something that we could see pick up. I mean, maybe there's a deal there to be done where Gomez goes back to Portugal as part of that deal, and Everton can bring his price down. Because I think he's still quite well thought of in Portugal, and he suits their style of football. He doesn't suit the Premier League. I think it's too fast for him. He, when you watch him, he seems like the game's passing him by. And he doesn't know where he's supposed to be or what he's supposed to be doing. That makes him look a much worse player than he is. I mean, we've also seen him linked to Roma, which might be an interesting one. They they were apparently looking at him as a replacement for Jordan Veritu, which would be and they were saying Everton wants about twenty million, but that could be negotiated down. I mean, I can't really see Andre Gomez playing under Jose Mourinho, but it's one of them that if the market's as difficult as it is, then maybe he's a player that people become interested in if if the deal's right. And I think. Everton would like to get rid of him just because of his wages more than anything. Because I think they think they can get better value for money somewhere else. Yeah, it's, it's certainly one to watch over the over the summer, that's for sure. We, we, we saw, you know, a fair bit of him under Frank Lampard. You know, we had his injury issues as well near the back end of the season. And, you know, he looked looked great in that in that first game. Um and it's just just a shame with Gomez, you know, it's one of those as as a show, we've always always backed him. Always wanted them to, to do well, and at times he's looked, looked, looked really good. I think the problem is he just consistently couldn't do it. Um, struggle for form, fitness, and you know, we all know what he went through injury wise as well. So it's been difficult for him. So hopefully, you know, another player he, he can be moved on and and almost resurrect his career, um, somewhere else in, in a probably a slower paced league, which would really really suit him. But before we wrap up the, the transfer side of things, one link that came out a couple of days ago. Um, we're apparently in talks with, with Jesse Lingard, free transfer. Um, I'd love to get your thoughts, your thoughts on this one. Phil, what, what are your thoughts on, on Lingard? Would you welcome him coming to the club? I, I personally think it's what we need in, in a fact of, I love the way, obviously I'm talking about his West Ham time, by the way, the way he drives with the ball and brings others into play from central areas and, and across the, the three um, of a midfield, not of a wide. Um Again, I just don't think you can trust him. You know, he's one of these. I demand this, I demand that. He gets his money, and then he just sits on it. And we need, I think, we need to come away from that. Um, but his qualities in patches again remind me of Barkley. Obviously, I think Barkley's a much better player um, as technically. But I just think it's a huge, it's too much of a gamble for what we've been through the last three, four, five years. Personally. Yeah, I think I think money wise, from a, I think he was asking for 150 grand a week with negotiations with West Ham, which Dave sort of said, "Well, we're not we're not paying you that," and that's where I think then Everton links have then come in. I know apparently we have been speaking to his his agents for for a few months, to be honest. Uh, but I think when you're asking for that kind of money at his age, didn't play much at all last season. Mm-hmm. Um, at a good, obviously, second half of the season, the season before at West Ham. Yeah. Um, but Sean, much in that, do, do you see that being it being a goer? I I think it's one of those that Everton have looked at because he's available on a free. So yeah. Everton, Everton are probably thinking, like with Tarkowski, we don't have to put 15, 20 million down on the table straight away. But for me personally, I don't think he's a player Everton should be signing. Not on the money that's been quoted. If if you get him on 70 grand a week, say 80 grand a week, 
I'm perfectly fine with it because it works out relatively well. But then if you're putting him on £150,000 a week, that's top earners at Everton. With Jesse Lingard be a top earner at Everton and, and be good value for money for that price? Not for me. Especially at 29, so then you, you look on what a three or four year deal. He's then into his mid-30s. Are you going to get any of that money back in a, in a resale? Definitely not. And I mean, I, I, I was talking about it yesterday. He's a good player. He's a very good player. But he's had a very middling career. He couldn't mm. do it at Manchester United. And he's had one good six-month spell, maybe, at West Ham. That's it. And you're going to give him £150,000 a week. I personally feel Everton would be better served spending that same amount of money. I think when I looked at the numbers yesterday, that works out about £21 million over the term of whatever contract you give him. Probably a three-year deal, four-year deal. Everton should be going and looking at a, a winger a proper winger for 10 or 12 million on the same amount of, on 60, 70,000 pounds, who they can then sell on, you know, like a Richarlison who they paid for and then made their profit on. That's what Everton should be looking at, not 29-year-old journeymen at this yeah. moment in time. It's it's just not good value for me. Yeah. Well, the, the strongest link really for a wide player is is Emmanuel Dennison at Watford, isn't it? That's, there's been a lot of talk about that. Depends what you want to believe, really, how advanced talks are. Uh, in that department, potentially looking at the deal around sort of 18 to 20 million pounds. Stats last season was a 10 goals, six assists, no no penalties within within the uh, within his goal scored as well. Uh, so you, you can argue that the stats were, were better uh, than, than Richarlison's in, in a way. Well, I had a look at his numbers yesterday and they actually, they're exactly the same as Richarlison's. And you know, when you go down to the pair 90 stats and all that, and now I'm not big on all this, but sometimes I like to go and have a bit of a look and try and educate myself. And here, his numbers are exactly the same as Richardson's. He's like a money ball replacement, and I've seen that doing the rounds. That's the obvious joke. But he is, you know, you're not getting Richardson. Who can you get on the cheap that'll do the same that he did? And those numbers are there, definitely. Now, obviously, relationships with Watford are not great, so that's going to be a really difficult one to get over the line. But for 15, 20 million, I think that would be a really good deal for Everton. Because, again... He's got resale value. Even if you give him a three-year contract, you can get something back on the back end if you want to sell him. And I would like, personally, to see Everton have two direct fast wingers on either side with Calvert-Lewin in the middle. There's no point. I think this is the thing with Richarlison. It was always difficult to marry him up with Calvert-Lewin. They were never a two. And Richarlison was never a real winger. He was more of an inside-forward sort of play. He wants to be in the middle. So I would rather Everton go direct now and have two wingers like that maybe him or a big line or someone like that someone else on the other side and I think that would work for Everton so that's a deal I would definitely be looking at if I was them yeah it, it's he's certainly the kind of player we, we need to be looking at we, we need that pace we, we certainly need you know we, we lack we lack pace so much I mean Richardson was fairly quick but he wasn't rapid you know but you know Anthony Gordon's got a bit of pace but he's not rapid you know we, we do need players who, who can Get up and down. You can, you know, the, the transition from defence to attack is quicker. That's what we need to be looking at. And and, and Dennis is not not a bad option at all for me. You know, we've as you say the the relationship between us and Watford is not great. Going back to to the Marco Silva days. Um, but listen, the football is a business, and there's always deals to be done. Watford obviously would be looking to recoup money now that they've they've, they've dropped down into the Championship. Um, so they're going to need to sell. In some way, shape, or form, it's just whether other clubs, I suppose, are interested in him, and he would deal entertain our, our bid. But um, he, he's a player; he, he does excite me. I, th- I think he'll get get uh, fans off the seats just for the, the sheer fact that he is quick, pacey, strong, can carry the ball, um, and is you know, like he says, stats last last season were, were comparable to Richie Allison. So 
it could be a really, really good fit. Um, but let's see. You know, it's we, we've got um, a busy few weeks in terms of we're off to America. The players are back in pre-season tomorrow. Uh, pre-season signing tomorrow. America in a couple of weeks. We've got back for a, a friendly against Blackpool, which has just been announced over the last few days as well. Looks like the home friendly the week before the season starts will be Dynamo Kiev at Goodison Park. Um, so there's a lot, a lot going to be happening over the next month or so before the season does start. But um, a lot of links now, I think, will start to come out, given that Richardson has moved on. We're, we're going to start to see more and more links, I think, in terms of players coming into the club and things will start to be to, to move that little bit that little bit quicker. Um, but we'll got transfer talk up there. Um, like you said, it's been a busy week at the club. Um, it, it, it ended, what was it, Friday with the talk of the, the, the supposed takeover from the, the Peter Kenyon Consortium breaking down. So we're going to have a quick break and discuss that in the final part of the show. Welcome back to the final part of this week's Unholy Trinity podcast. And like like we said, takeover talk. Um, the last last couple of weeks, it's it's really ramped up. The, it's become obvious the Farhad Machine wants to wants to sell the club even before we move to Bramley Moor. Uh, this this American consortium, headed by by Kenyon, there it's it's seems to be that Farhad Machine has not so much had second thoughts. Whether he's seen something, I just don't know. Uh, whether he's got a bad feeling about it, you know, there's a lot of talk around about whether the money's actually there from from the American consortium. And Peter Kenyon, obviously, is just just the face of it. That's all he is. He, he's there for the talks. There was talk he was going to, you know, come was it was a vice chairman if the deal goes through and and things like that. But on Friday, it was the the period of uh, exclusivity ended, which was was the first thing. There was no extension granted according to sources of Everton. But then, according to the sources with the with the consortium, they thought that they still they had that had that extension granted. Talk was still ongoing; it wasn't dead in the water. Um, what do you make of it, Phil? Because it's it's been a fast moving thing, hasn't it? Where I know we all heard about American incest over the last few months. To be honest with you, in terms of investments in the club, but in terms of taking over the club and far having Shiri moving on, that's been over the last sort of couple of weeks. But what, what's your take on it? Did, you know, would you be happy? Would you welcome a takeover now, um, or would, would you would you be happier waiting for for Bramley Moor to, to be built? It's the circus of Everton, Mike, isn't it? Really, um, when I when I re- first read the report or or the link that this was happening or it was looking to happen, I just waved it off really and thought it's just Everton and, and just. Uh, tabloids and things and then obviously a bit of a snowball effect and it was you know when you face a little bit more through the weeks um it just didn't make sense to me how a guy would come in and put all his money in as in Moshiri and then just want to let it go before obviously his legacy should have been building Everton into this Champions League club or getting the, into Europe again uh, whatever competition that would be and getting better players in obviously not how it's turned out with turnover of managers and players but you would think his legacy would then be obviously when we get Bramley more that would be for head Mashiri's um what he's done for Everton to then be linked with uh new owners um and new buyers for me I I I was 
I think Bill Kenwright will still be part of Everton as the board because he he'll be there with his scissors cutting the blue ribbon. I I don't I don't personally see him moving on, and I don't see Denise Baxendale moving on if these come in. I just don't think it any of it makes sense personally, and I think it was too much in your face for it to be real. Um, and obviously on Friday, um, they, they obviously said it's it's been cancelled or they ran out of the expired or whatever it was they expired uh, the the position, but. I just can't see any. I can just see Bill Kemrights with the blue ribbon and and some scissors with forehead at, at when it's when it's up and running. I can't see any change to that now. I'm not saying in a couple of years it won't, but I, I personally can't see it happening. No, I mean this this particular consortium. They they were really vocal, weren't they, last week in terms of there was articles in the newspaper about them. Um, and, and someone made the point that, you know, in these kind of negotiations, it's unusual for parties to be out there and be so vocal yeah. about things. It's almost as if they were, they were pressurising everything in a, in a way to, to make a decision. Um, and it's almost backfired in a way because, you know, if we're, we're to believe what, what, what we've read, Farhad Mishiri pulled the plug on the deal. Uh, now, we don't know the reasons behind that. We don't know, like I say, if he's seen something from their side from a financial point of view. He doesn't like or whether you know what they're offering him is not what he wants we just don't know but the you know the, the fact of the matter is he doesn't seem too pleased with what's what's gone on mm. um the club is still for sale by all accounts the, the, there are apparently other parties floating around um but what the the news come out of machiri's camp is that he's now committed to to just bringing you know getting their uh, bramley more over the line uh, we've said it for years that will always be his legacy yeah. uh, but Sean what, what, what are your thoughts on it do, do, do you think it was a lot, lot of sort of hot air from the, the consortium side this week to try and push a deal through I think so because uh, my my take on with takeovers is the serious ones are always very quiet you never know about them until they're done mm. do you think of Chelsea with Abramovich with Manchester City these big big takeovers the ones that are serious you only ever hear about them even Newcastle when it fell away and then it was just suddenly done the next year, wasn't it? They, they got it and they'd done it and it was signed and every, and that was it. You never hear this build-up that Everton have, oh, and then everyone's talking and they're doing articles and they're doing interviews. That's always a lot of, it's, it's like PR for me, that sort of thing. They, they're making it a way that we're here and we want to buy a football club, but doesn't necessarily have to be Everton. We just happen to be talking to their owners. It's, it's, it's been more of a, we're going to make our, everyone else aware that we're willing to invest in a football club if it's there. And I think with Everton, it started as a well, Machidi's looking for investment for the stadium because he, I think he's lost that big back in our new hasn't he? He can't, I think everything he's done with, with Everton, as much as it's been his own money, Usmanov was always there in the background. And I firmly believe he was, he was going to be a stage where he would have come into it much more firmly and being a serious owner a serious investor rather than, you know, 20 million for the stadium or 30 million for the training ground or whatever. And now that's gone, I think Machidi's very much panicking about where the money's going to come from because he's already sunk hundreds of millions into this and got nowhere with it. And now without that Russian backing behind him, which has always been a part of his career anyway, I think he's starting to think maybe it's time for me to get out. But he's put himself in a situation where Everton aren't worth what he would have to get for them for it to be viable. Now, there was talk of them Everton being 500, 600 million. 
you don't pay 500, 600 million pounds for Everton in the current state that they're in. I mean, would you pay 500, 600 million for Leeds or someone like that? You wouldn't, would you? And that's where Everton are at this moment in time. But if they get the stadium done, they're then suddenly much of a more exciting prospect. So I, I can actually see Mashiri being more, let me get the money to do the stadium, then we'll see a proper exit, so to speak. I think that's that's just common sense. That, that's what we've always thought, really, is, is that he'll deliver the stadium and then he's got then that that uh, that as the, as the major selling point because if he sells now, anyone who comes in has, has got to then commit to funding the rest of the stadium effectively and getting the money. So it's another expense for them. Um, so it, it's up to Farhad Mashiri. He's not going to sell now. We say we don't know. Um, then he needs to then get secure the funding for the, for the rest of the stadium. And then he can then most most definitely get the, the the money that he wants for the club at that particular time. Um, but this will this will drag on. I think over the summer there'll be I think more stories about this consortium about other interested parties, and you know it, it won't go away. I don't think quickly, but it's just another like you say, fill another part of the circus that is Everton Football Club, um, and and another another story that we can all. Uh, sink our teeth into over the course of over the course of the summer, but let's see how that one plays out. You know, it's it's as I say, won't won't go away quickly. Um, so I expect to see to see more news over the coming the coming weeks on on that particular front. Um, but before we wrap up, the new year was released this week. Um, the first time we've had the new sponsor in in Stake.com emblazoned across the front, and I use the word emblazoned because that's exactly what it is. Uh, the share is pretty much half blue, half white. With the size of the sponsor, um, always good to see new shirts. I'm a little bit of a shirt fanatic myself, and like like to, you know, like to keep an eye on them and and not, not so much critique them, but I, I think I think you know with Hummel, Hummel have always delivered for me since we've been with them. I think all the shirts that they produced have been have been of a good quality, um, and this this one for me is is a funny one. I think it's got some really good good parts to it. I, I like the, the the tower the way it's 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 part of the actual shirt material the actual the uh, tower design. Um, I'm not I'm not hot on the on the white panels on the on the side or under the armpit if you like it. It looks a little like it's seen in top. I'm not I'm not into round next year. It's either that's just a personal personal preference. Um, but it's it's an all right shirt for me. At the end of the day, it's got the Everton badge on. It's blue. Um, but. Phil, you said you went to the shop yesterday. Had a little look closer up. What are, what are your what's your opinion on the uh, on the first share to have stake across it? Exactly like you said, mate. It's um it's very much in your face. Uh, it's very blue, but also very white. Um, obviously on screens and 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 uh, on websites uh, when it when it obviously came out, I thought um what didn't fancy it. But to to be fair, apart from the the uh, the big font on the front. It's actually I don't mind the white underneath. To be fair, and I don't mind the round neck. Um, that again, that's personal uh, preference. But it doesn't look too bad. But it's it's probably the, the most blue and white kit we've had in a very long time. Obviously, we are blue and white shorts and socks. But on the shirt, it is very much patchy. Um, but um, as long as it's got the the name on the front, Everton, it doesn't really. It doesn't bother me, blue and white, but I'd always, like I said to you boys off air, my preference is, is, is all blue, but that'll never happen. Yeah, it reminds me a bit of that one. Uh, we had the one-to-one shirt that time. Yes, yes. Like, it, 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 
was it about 2000 to 2002, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was, it's a bit like that, isn't it? In terms of the whiteness of Very it. Very blue and uh, white, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a strange. But as I say, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't think it's a terrible shirt at all. I just think it's a little bit middle of the road. Yeah. Some people are really, really like it. Um, I do think if the sponsor was made a bit smaller, <laughs> then it would be a bit more appealing. I, I did a few designs just messing around of of some shirts with stake with stake.com on and i think when the font is smaller it looks all right um sean are you going to be going out and buying a new shirt um well i actually will say i'm not a big thing for buying everything shirt it's not really something i i go out and do but i actually bought the home shirt and the white away shirt last year so i actually like hummel's designs i i do like what they do I actually think part of the issue with the steak is that we really don't like them as a sponsor. So whatever size it was, we just don't want them there anyway. So it's always going to be an issue. And I also think Everton signed them on really late. I don't think the shirt has been designed with the sponsorship yeah. in mind. Okay. If yeah. if that deal had been done with steak months ago, I think we might have ended up with a nice-looking shirt. It's mm-hmm. actually just sort of, oh, we've done our shirt. Oh, we now need to stick this big, massive logo on the front of it. And it looks a little bit stupid. But... Mm. It's just a sponsorship, isn't it? It doesn't really matter. People get very angry about these things and you know, there's there's bigger problems at Everton than stay on the on the on the shirt. Yeah, I think you guys I think when the when the photo photograph shoot was done, I think the shirt was sponsorless, to be honest with you. I know obviously the state deal should have been done uh, or would have been getting done if we stayed up, but at that time we weren't sure. So when it was done, this is this is just what I'm I'm sort of the impression that I'm getting. They had sponsorless shirts. Um, and then obviously when they released it, if you look at if you look at some of the images, it looks like it's photoshopped on. It's a good photoshop, but it looks like it's photoshopped on. Um, that, that's exactly what I think. It looks like a shirt that they've got the base design, and then yeah. they've gone, oh, we need to stick a logo on it, and just gone, yeah, yeah okay, and forgot to reduce it down in the corners, sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly that, exactly that. So yeah, it is what it is. I mean, I like I like the trading stuff. I think the trading stuff is nice. I like the colours, you know. The, the the navy blue with the orange and, and is, it, is it like a light blue? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a nice nice shirt. The, the purple stuff's nice. So I'll probably pick up one of them before I go on my travels um, at the at the back end of this month. To be honest with you, uh, but if, if any no, listen, you know the Everton shirt is Everton shirt. It's blue. You know we buy them. We support the club. There's a link on our on our Twitter page. If anyone wants to go and go and get a get a shirt, free delivery still ongoing as well. Um, so have a, have a little look at that, but. Uh, I look forward to seeing what, what Hummel bring out in terms of the away in the thirds because I think they can be a little bit more expressive with those, especially the third. We saw the white thirds here last year was really nice. And obviously the away was was the uh, the, the link back to, to, to the Blackwatch here. So, yeah, we, we'll we look forward to, to seeing them. That is, that is for sure. I would actually say about Hummel, their away shirts and third shirts have generally been better than the home shirts anyway mm. since, they've been, since they've been doing them. Like you say, they've got a bit more wiggle room haven't they and like, I love the white one from last year I think that's a really nice shape just in general so anything like that again I'm more than happy with did, did you see Southampton's with the badge in the middle yeah I think they brought it out a couple of days before ours and I thought please don't have the badge I don't mind any kits to be fair as long as the blue but the homes anyway but if I thought if that badge is in the middle I think that'll cause another evident <laughs> social media yeah I will draw the line at them pajama tops that Manchester City and everyone had last year. The away oh, shirts, yeah, yeah. Anything like you know that that in the bin with them, they were awful. 
Yeah, that 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 was just lazy, wasn't it? That was just yeah. a really lazy attempt. And someone was paid for that, by the way, to design those uh, that, that particular template. So there's hope for us all, I think, if uh, if that's the level. But no, we we'll see with the the away the away in the third. I'm, I'm more I I tend to get the away shirts more than I get the home shirts nowadays. I think just because they are they are so different and they, they can be a little bit free with the design. So I do look forward to to seeing them. That's for sure. But that's all for this week. Uh, action-packed, jam-packed show. Um, Phil, thanks for coming on again, mate. Really appreciate it. Thanks very much, Mike. Uh, Nice to meet you, Sean, as well. It's been a great show. And thanks, Sean, for getting up on a Sunday morning on your day off to discuss all things, Evan. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem at all, mate. And as I say, that is us. We'll be back over the course of the the summer again before the season starts, of course. don't forget to, to, to give us a, a follow on Twitter at UHT Podcast, Instagram at UHT Podcast Everton, and also make sure you, you drop us a, a follow and a subscribe on, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of those uh, all those types of things. We really appreciate it. And we will catch you over the next couple of weeks. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three Blues, Three Opinions, One Everton Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.